want to welcome you to day 17, chapter 17 of our look together through the book of Genesis. Yesterday, we looked at this do-it-yourself faith that Abraham struggled with, that I struggle with, that I would guess you struggle with from time to time. This tendency that we have towards what I would call a, a human-powered faith. We call it faith in God, but it's really powered by my emotion, my action, my decision. It's, it's powered by myself. It's not really faith at all. It, it's a faith that's about me getting what I want. How do you get past that? How do you get past a faith that's just getting God to do what you want? How do you get to a faith that's, that's about living as God desires? Well, God helps Abram with this, and he wants to help you and I with this. In chapter 17, we see that he does two things for Abram, and he wants to do the same two things in my life and in your life to help us to get past trusting in ourselves, to grow towards trusting in him. What did he do for Abraham? What does he want to do for you and I? Number one, he gave him a new name, and number two, he gave him a new command. Those are the two ways that God can help you to stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in him, a new name and a new command. First, a new name, chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. Let me read those verses. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations, which is what Abraham means, the father of many nations. You see in these verses what God is doing. He is reaffirming his promise in Abraham's life. That's the life of faith that God has for you, of reaffirming the faith that you and I have in Jesus Christ. He's helping him to set aside a get-it-myself faith. But when you do that, when you set aside all trust in myself, faith, it's not like you're condemning yourself to a miserable life. God has a promise for your life. Setting aside your plans means you begin to live, decide to live by his promise. And if you're going to live by God's promise, you have to have it reaffirmed again and again and again. And one of the ways that God reaffirms his promise, one of the ways that God gets you off of trusting yourself and onto trusting in him is by reminding you of this new name. Now, it's interesting. Before God gives Abraham his new name, he gives Abraham a new name for God. It begins by saying, these verses begin by saying, I am God Almighty. There are many Hebrew names for God. Hebrew is the language the Old Testament was originally written in. And Elohim is the name for God that has been used up until this verse. But here, a new name is introduced. In Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the God who is sufficient. Abraham We've seen it in his life. He has not always seen God as sufficient. That's why he's run down to Egypt anytime when it looked like there wasn't enough food. He had to find something that was sufficient. And even in this chapter, Abraham is later going to say that God is insufficient to provide a son. To grow by faith, Abraham needed a new way to look at God. You need to see, I need to see God more clearly also. The more clearly that you understand who God is, the more clearly you're going to be able to walk in faith. And many times, my need, your need, it's the same as the need of Abraham to see that he is the God who is sufficient. But it's interesting how God does that. God shows Abraham, and he shows you, and he shows me that he is sufficient, not just by pointing us to his name, but also by pointing us to the new name he wants to give to us. Here he says, no longer Abram, but now Abraham. You've noticed as I've been teaching through this, I go back and forth between Abram and Abraham. 
it's here that the change really happens. His new name from Abram to Abraham. He's going to change Sarai's name also from Sarai to Sarah. Abram, exalted father to Abraham, father of many. Sarai, my princess, to Sarah, which just means princess. Now, why does God do this? It doesn't sound, as I, as I just shared those with you a moment ago, it doesn't sound like that big a change. Why does God do this? He does this to help them to recognize the changes that had occurred in their lives, the new things that he had done. A new name helped them to constantly realize that they were new people living in a new place with God's new promise. And by seeing that, they could begin to act in that way. When you, when you begin to see who you really are in Jesus Christ, you can begin to really act like who you really are in Jesus Christ. God's changed your name too. And you and I, we need to recognize and live out those new names. To Abraham, he said, no longer shall your name be called Abram, for from now on, Abraham. What does he say to you? To you, he says, no longer shall your name be called lost, but your name shall be called found. Now, you may feel lost sometimes, but that's not your name in Jesus Christ. What has lost, has been lost, has been found. You are found by him. You are his sheep. He is your shepherd. That is who you are. However you feel, whatever you happen to experience this day, that is who you are. So you live out that name. No longer lost, but found. That's not the only name. No longer shall you be called guilty, but now you shall be called forgiven. You may feel guilty today, and maybe with good reason. Maybe you've walked away from trusting the Lord in some situation of life, some thought in your mind, some action, some word to another person. No longer shall you be called guilty. If you try to get back to a sense of connection with God by feelings of guilt, that's not the new name he's given you. The new name is forgiven. He's forgiven you because of what Jesus Christ has done. So you recognize that new name and then you begin to live out that new name. And if it means asking for forgiveness from someone that you've wronged, that's what you do. If it means recognizing God's new grace in your life and that he's forgiven you for that wrong that you did that hurt yourself, that's what you do. If it means that you don't put yourself in a situation where you're gonna sin again, you know that circumstance is always gonna lead you down a wrong path, that's what you do. But you do it based on your new name, not your old name. You are forgiven. No longer shall you be called lost, but now found. No longer guilty, but now forgiven. No longer shall you be called alone, but now loved. No longer shall you be called empty, but now filled. Just read the New Testament and see your new name. And let me just remind you of this. It is never too late to change your name. It is never too late to begin to see yourself in a new way and to continue to grow, to live out that new name. Abram was 99 years old when he became Abraham, when his name was changed. That should tell you something. It is never too late. How does God get us off of living for ourselves, trusting ourselves and trusting in him? He gives us this new name and he says, now live that out. He also gives us a new command. He does this for Abraham. In verses nine to 13, here's the command that was given. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you and the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh 
is to be an everlasting covenant. There's a lot about circumcision in the Old Testament and even some in the New Testament. What is it all about? It's about God's command. It's about God's requirement. God gives to Abraham this new command. And to grow in faith, you and I have to be meeting the requirements of God in our lives. But they are different now for us as believers. Here, Abraham hears that for his people, the Jewish people, the requirement is the requirement of circumcision. Now, why circumcision? I mean, Abraham must have thought a tattoo might have been nice, but instead God says circumcision. You might in your mind think this. God is giving to Abraham a new identity, a new name, but also through this command, a new identity, a new identity for his people. And the idea that God is putting before Abraham here is not a medical practice so much as a, as a decision to follow God's command as a decision to do what God has asked. Now, in the New Testament, we read very clearly that there is no spiritual reason for circumcision. Oh, you might want to do it for some medical reason. You might want to do it for some reason culturally, but there is no spiritual reason for circumcision. It means nothing. We're told very clearly in the New Testament for you and I as believers. But you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, there is a required sign that we do have of our faith. It's called baptism. Jesus commanded baptism for believers. Just like Abraham heard God's command that Jews should be circumcised, Jesus commands that everyone who is a believer in him should be baptized. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It's an outer symbol of an inward commitment, and it's commanded. We are to be openly and publicly the people of God, not ashamed to identify, there's that identity again, to identify with Jesus Christ and with his people. Have you followed that command? You think I don't have to, to be a Christian? Following this new command, and then all of his commands after that, is one of the ways that you and I deal with this tendency that we have to trust in ourselves instead of trusting in God. If you're going through the commands of God and you're picking and choosing and you're saying, well, I'll keep this one, but this one isn't convenient for me. My family might be upset by this one. This one doesn't make as much sense to me. Then you're going down a road that is a do-it-yourself faith. And you're going to see the results of that in your life. There's this new command. Now, there's a warning in this. God requires circumcision of the heart for the Jewish people. And there was a day in the Jewish nation where they were circumcised outwardly, but their hearts were very far from God. And God, God condemned them for that. And you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, baptism is not just an outward symbol. If you think you're going to become a Christian by being baptized, if you mistake the sign of the faith the picture of the reality for the real faith, the reality, that doesn't mean a thing to God. So we're not talking about just symbols here. We're talking about following him, keeping his command. You, you want to get off of trusting in yourself and get towards trusting in God? I struggle with it. We all struggle with it. How do you do that? You recognize your new name and you live that out, who he's already made you to be, not who you're trying to be, who he's already made you to be. And you recognize his new command. And beginning with the simplest that you know to do first and then building on that, you do what he's asked you to do. And based on that, you and I find that we begin to live in a greater way than you ever imagined, a life of faith. Jesus Christ, as we talk to you, we want to live a life of faith. And yet, you know how easily we trust in ourselves. I do. We trust in what we think is right. We trust in what we think is wrong. Lord Jesus, help us to trust you. And as we see the new name you've given us, forgiven, free, my child, as we see that new name, as we follow your commands because we love you, not because we're afraid of you, 
I pray, Lord, that you'd bring into our lives a new and deeper sense of trusting you. Help us to grow in faith, we pray. In your name, amen. And join us tomorrow as we look at chapter 18. We're going to look at the difference between your plans and God's plans. Mm -hmm.